1: Welcome back to Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. I'm your host, Lee Phelan, and today we're going to be lifting with levers. In an earlier episode, we introduced the idea of simple machines acting as force multipliers. We also talked about how pulleys work, and how they allow you to lift things you normally wouldn't be able to lift. However, pulleys aren't the only type of simple machine, and today we're going to discuss the second machine on our list, the lever. But first, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Betterment.com. Betterment offers users an easy way to invest. No prior investing experience is required. Users choose how to invest by allocating their money between two preset baskets, a stock basket and a bond basket. Signing up takes less than five minutes and money can be added or withdrawn at any time without a fee. And users who sign up at Betterment.com slash will receive a $25 account bonus on any initial deposit of $250 or more. That's betterment.com slash everydayeinstein. Some people say that Archimedes once said something like, Give me a stick and a place to stand, and I shall move the world. If he really did say this, it was with good reason, because it is thanks to Archimedes that we understand the law of the lever. There are three types of levers. Conveniently enough, they're called Class 1 levers, Class 2 levers, and you guessed it, Class 3 levers. What kind of class the lever belongs to depends upon the relative location of three different parts. Thing number one, the force you apply to the lever, sometimes called the effort. Thing number two, the thing the lever is supposed to move, sometimes called the load. And thing number three, the part that the lever balances on, usually called the fulcrum. Let's take a look at how you would use these different classes of levers. Starting with the first class lever. Imagine you're searching for gold treasure on a desert island one afternoon, and you find the location indicated on the map. Unfortunately, right where the treasure is supposed to be, there's a giant boulder, far too heavy for you to move. If you didn't understand how levers worked, you might be forced to collapse on the beach in despair and make friends with a volleyball named Wilson. But you've been paying attention to the everyday Einstein show, and that's why you do understand how levers work. So you rush back to the beach and find a sturdy piece of driftwood and a smaller rock. You place a rock a short distance from the boulder, stick one end of the driftwood under the boulder, and then lay it on the rock. Then you push with all your might on the other end of the driftwood, and miracle of miracles, the boulder rolls out of the way, and the treasure is yours. In this example, the boulder was the load. The smaller rock was the fulcrum. The effort was the force you applied to your end of the lever. In the episode on pulleys, we talked about how simple machines multiply your force and that the amount they multiply your force by is called the mechanical advantage. In the case of the lever, the mechanical advantage is calculated by taking the distance between the effort force and the fulcrum and dividing it by the distance between the load and the fulcrum. So in our example, if the section of driftwood going from the small rock to our hands was three meters long and the section going from the small rock to under the boulder was one meter long, then the mechanical advantage would be distance from effort to fulcrum, divided by distance from fulcrum to load, or three meters divided by one meter, giving us a mechanical advantage of three. This means that for every newton of force with which we push down on our end of the driftwood, three newtons of force would be pushing up on the boulder. However, as we know, this increased force comes at a trade-off of increased distance. Since the mechanical advantage of our lever is 3, this means that for every inch we want to lift that rock, we have to move our end of the driftwood down 3 inches. By moving the fulcrum further from or closer to the boulder, we can change the mechanical advantage. If the fulcrum's right in the middle, such as on a seesaw, the mechanical advantage is 1 and we get no extra force. On to second-class levers. As I mentioned earlier, there are other classes of levers. In a second-class lever, the load is between the fulcrum and the effort force. A common example of this is the wheelbarrow. The wheel is the fulcrum, the load is whatever's in the wheelbarrow, and the effort force is applied to the handles. The mechanical advantage of a second class lever is calculated the same way as for a first class lever by taking the distance between the effort force and the fulcrum and dividing it by the distance between the load and the fulcrum. In a third class lever, the effort force is between the fulcrum and the load. A third-class lever doesn't really help you lift heavy things. In fact, third-class levers almost always have a mechanical advantage less than one, which means they decrease your force. However, just as having a mechanical advantage greater than one gives you more force at the cost of moving the load a small distance, a mechanical advantage less than one lets you move the load a greater distance while reducing the force applied to it. To illustrate why this might be useful, consider one of the most common examples of third-class levers, the baseball bat. When you swing a baseball bat, the load is the part of the bat that strikes the ball. The fulcrum is the other end of the bat, and the effort force is applied where you put your hands, which is in between those two points. When you swing the bat, you move your end of the bat a relatively small distance compared to the distance that the other end of the bat moves. Since the bat has to stay in one piece, in order for one end to move farther than the other end in the same amount of time, that end has to move faster. So the main advantage of a third-class lever is that it provides you with a way to increase the velocity of something. You swing one end of the bat, and the other end moves at an increased velocity, but with less force than you apply to your end. So now you know how to classify your levers, and hopefully when to use each kind. It all depends on where the fulcrum, effort force, and loads are placed. In a first class lever, the fulcrum's in the middle. In a second class lever, the load is in the middle. And a third class lever have the effort force in the middle. Here's a good mnemonic to help you remember. F-L-E equals 1-2-3. If you like today's episode, you can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on your Facebook or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash QDTEinstein. If you have a question you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Till next time, I'm your host, Lee Phelan, with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. Once again, I'd like to thank Betterman.com for sponsoring this week's podcast. Betterment offers users a quick and easy way to invest by letting you allocate your money between two preset baskets. You can sign up today at betterment.com/slash/everydayEinstein to receive a $25 account bonus to deposits of $250 or more. That's betterment.com/slash/everydayEinstein. Betterment LLC is an SEC registered investment advisor. Broker services are offered by Betterment Securities an SEC registered broker dealer member FINRA, SFC. Investments are not FDIC insured. No bank guarantee. May lose value. Investing in securities involves risk, and there's always potential of losing money when you invest in securities. Before investing, consider your investment objectives, Betterment's charges and expenses. Not an offer, solicitation of an offer, or advice to buy or sell securities, and jurisdictions where Betterment, Betterment Securities are not registered.